Well, good morning, church. How are we doing? It is so good to see you. Hey, my name is Garrett Mazurik, and I am the pastoral intern here at Providence Church. Lots of, of friendly faces in here, but I'm sure some of you didn't know Providence actually had a pastoral intern. So I thought I would take a moment to introduce myself and tell you a little bit of my story. Well, I am a husband and a father. My wife, Stacy, and I will be celebrating 14 years of marriage at the end of this summer. Yeah, there we go. And we have some kids that are always running around eating donuts and doing all the fun stuff that Prov Kids Ministry does. Well, we are not locals to Tennessee. We're one of the people that came here and raised house prices, sorry. Uh, but we, we're actually from Texas. We moved here for a job opportunity for me that was one of those dream job scenarios that had us pack up from my wife's hometown and move over a thousand miles away from all of our friends and family where we had never even stepped in the state of Tennessee before. Uh, but we, we knew that there was something that God was calling us to in Tennessee. So since we showed up here, I don't know, but Bucky's and Whataburger got here, so I guess you're welcome. <laughs> but we have been here for a couple of years. They asked me, the job asked me for a couple of years, and we're going on six at this point, and our family truly calls Tennessee home. Well, since moving to Tennessee, God has continued to work in our family and in my life, so I am actually a seminary student while I'm working that corporate job, being a dad and a father. <laughs> yeah, so I am up at Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, and we are so excited that you're here. Most importantly, I want you to know that I am a child of God, I am a servant of the King, and I am uh, just passionately trying to pursue Jesus with my whole life. So here we are today, and I get the honor of leading us as we look to God's word this morning. Well, if you're new to Providence Church, welcome. Uh, if this is your first time, good news, it's my first time up here, so it's a big day for both of us. <laughs> and we are a church that helps those that feel disconnected from God and the church find hope, healing, and wholeness in Jesus Christ. We're also a church that believes in the power of prayer, so I'm going to ask that you pray with me now. God, we love you. We thank you for every heart and soul that has walked through these doors. God, let this be a time where we can truly encounter you, Lord. Spirit, fill this room, fill these hearts. God, fill my heart and pour your word out of me. Less of me, more of you, Lord. And I ask for this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to start looking at the question of how do I follow Jesus? What does it look like to actually follow Jesus? So a lot of you might have had this question. You're in here and it's a full house on a holiday weekend when you could be out on the lake. So you probably have had this happen uh, across your mind at some point. And we are going to go directly to the source to see what Jesus himself has to say. So if you brought your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew. It's going to be Matthew chapter 16 specifically. Matthew is the first of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Gospels are called the good news because they're all the story of Jesus and his life and death and resurrection. So we're going to give a little bit of background of where we're jumping into in Matthew. Earlier in Matthew's Gospel, we hear of Jesus starting to go across and gather his disciples. Now his disciples are his friends that he is choosing to go on mission with in his time on earth. So these are the people that he's going to be doing life with, living with, traveling with. And so we get to a point where Jesus has his disciples and he starts teaching, he starts preaching to crowds, and he starts doing miraculous healings 
all to bring the kingdom of God to this world, marking the kingdom of God coming into this world. And so that's what we have all leading up to chapter 16, where we have a defining moment between Jesus and the disciples. Jesus had just gotten into it with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which were the religious leaders of the Jewish people at the time. And they were really focused on following rules and laws to earn God's favor. And Jesus was trying to kind of say, like, you guys just aren't getting it. Like, that's not what I'm doing here. That's not how the kingdom of God works. And so got into it with them, he pulls his disciples aside and he asked them a question. And he asked them, who do people say I am? And the disciples start giving some answers and he's just still like, wow, you guys just really aren't getting it. We've been hanging out for this whole time. What's going on? And so he turns to Simon and he says, Simon, who do you say I am? And Simon answers, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, yes, Yes, Simon, now your name's Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. This answer wasn't from you. This was from my Father in heaven. So that's the background as we look to Matthew 16, 21 to start our reading today. So from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're jumping in here, Matthew 16, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. And here, Jesus just isn't holding back, right? He is telling these disciples. And when we read this today, this is one that just sticks to your bones. It just hits you in the core, doesn't it? So when I read this and I focus on the text, if I'm being honest, I got to say, like, wow, that's not what I really had in mind when I, when I thought about this whole following Jesus life. Denying myself and picking up a cross to follow Jesus really just wasn't making sense to me. It's like if I'm going to a new company, or for all of you students and kids, if I'm joining a new team, they're going to come in there and say, oh my goodness, we're so excited you're here. We've been wanting you to join this team for so long. We've been pursuing you and just sitting around waiting for you to join this team. We've been right there with you the whole step, and now you're finally here. Yes, now. Forget everything that got you to where you are. Actually reject that and do the opposite because that's what we want on this team. And by the way, new hire training, it's going to be a lot of life and death risk. Are you cool with that? But that's, that's what we're hearing Jesus say here, isn't it? When I read this, what Jesus is saying is the way you have been doing things isn't the way we do things around here. And I think a key to a lot of this is the goal or the purpose of us as disciples of Jesus. So our goal, if we choose to follow Jesus, is not going to be the same goal as the rest of the world. Jesus lays it out here clearly disciples to his disciples. You're either going after me or you're going after the world. 
Jesus does not give us a third option on this one. But if you're anything like me, I know a lot of times I say, okay, option A, follow Jesus. Option B, follow the world. But what about option C? Can I write that one in and say both A and B on like the multiple choice? Can we do that? But Jesus is clear. And we do this all the time. I know what the Bible says, but I also don't want to stick out from the crowd a lot of times. Um, And Jesus actually addresses this exact same situation earlier in Matthew's gospel. If we look at Matthew 6, we can read, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. But Jesus isn't done. In Matthew 12, he says something that's really similar. It says, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. And y'all thought that was Abraham Lincoln, but now you know that was Jesus. (laughs) So what we see here, if we choose to follow Jesus, is that we are denying ourselves, picking up our cross, and letting Jesus be the leader. We wake up every morning, and we're faced with that decision over and over and over throughout the day. Every day is a new decision. Do we choose to follow Jesus or follow the ways of the world? So if you're going to follow Jesus, what will it look like to follow him? Denying yourself, picking up your cross, and letting Jesus be the leader, which means Jesus leads and we follow. A lot of this kind of sounds like we're giving up in a sense, right? We give up our understanding and we give it to God. We give up our authority and we give it to God. And I think another way to think about giving up here, another word we could use is the word surrender. I see Jesus calling his disciples to surrender. And I think when we read this, Jesus continues to call us to surrender today. So we are spending our summer here at Providence Church in a series on songs and hymns that have helped shape our faith in Jesus. Colossians 3.16 is our guiding verse this summer. It says, The word of Christ must live in you richly. Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And when you think of a hymn about surrender, I'm immediately taken back to my days growing up in the hill country of central Texas in a Baptist church with wood back pews and hymnals across. I'm sitting next to my parents with my Sunday's best on, and we are singing with the choir, I Surrender All. Well, I Surrender All was written by a man named J.W. Van Deventer in 1896. And J.W. was a really normal guy. He went to college. He had a successful career as a teacher. He was even a regular at church and volunteered often. But it became clear that his time spent volunteering at church was different to his friends than the rest of his life. So much so that his friends started speaking into him saying, J.W., maybe you should be doing something different with your life. And after five years, y'all say it, five years, J.W.'s friends won out and the power of God won out in J.W.'s life. And he started in ministry full time, became an evangelist, traveling across the country, spreading the gospel. And I can see in the story of J.W. the same calling of surrender that Jesus gives his disciples in Matthew 16. So let's jump into surrender again in Matthew 16. Let's focus in on 16:24, And it says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And when you break that down, I see three actions that Jesus gives his disciples. Desire, obedience, and sacrifice equals surrender. So first, there is desire. We have to want to come after Jesus. This has to be key. 
You feel God pulling at your heart. And sometimes it's like when you're here or you're in church or you're at home and the right song comes on at the right time or the message from the pastor comes on at the right time to exactly what you're going through in that season of life. That is desire. Uh, it's, it's John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, he called it something like this. He said that he, when he had desire with God, he felt his heart strangely warmed. And for all of our prop kids in here, the language that we use in prop kids is you have a soft heart for the Lord. It's hard hearts, and then you have Jesus in your heart, and he makes you have a soft heart. So you encounter Christ, your heart is warmed or softened, and you truly want to live for God. That is desire. You have to desire to follow Jesus. It's your choice. Second, there is obedience. And obedience is going to feel different than the way you have done things. It's going to be different than your natural instincts. Okay, it's really important. Obedience is saying, God, your ways are higher. God, your ways are higher even when I don't understand. And again, proud kids, this is like when you're at the dinner table, mom and dad give you your plate and it said, oh, here's your vegetables. Eat your vegetables because they're good for you. But you know, I don't want to eat my vegetables, but you know your parents love you. You know you love your parents, and you know your parents want what is best for you in this world. So you eat your vegetables. And then you get to, to our age, and you start eating them because you actually like them. So what does eating our vegetables look like when we follow Jesus? It looks like spending time with God, spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer, Spending time in Christian community and fellowship, growing together as the body of Christ, this is obedience. It's modeling our lives after Jesus. C.S. Lewis said this, that we as followers of Christ should become little Christ in this world. Jesus says, follow me. That means he leads and we follow. And it's gonna get uncomfortable, it's gonna look different than your friends, than the rest of the world, than your family, and that is on purpose. We are called to be light in this world. We are called to be different on purpose as a witness to God's glory. Matthew 16, 26 says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And that is what is at stake here. Please do not miss that, that souls are at stake. You have to choose obedience to God and surrender to his way over your way. And then lastly, this is going to require sacrifice. As we hear Jesus say, you must, to follow him, you must take up your cross. And a key part to remember here is that when Jesus is talking to his disciples, this is before he is cru his crucifixion. The disciples do not have the context that we do now when we read the Bible. We read it and we know the end of the story already, but the disciples didn't know this. However, the disciples were familiar with what taking up a cross meant, and it meant walking to your death. Taking up a cross in the times of Jesus was going on a march towards your death. So whenever we hear this from Jesus of taking up your cross, we can understand that we have to walk to death our priorities, our plans, our reputations sometimes, all of it. And it can be really tough to hear, but the truth is, as a follower of Jesus, there are things in your life that you will have to sacrifice. But take a look at this, though. Jesus doesn't say you're going to do it alone. The key words there, Jesus says, follow me. 
Jesus says, I will be with you every step of the way on this path to surrender, on this path of following God. So as someone that's been following Jesus for a while, I can tell you, it is not easy. When you sacrifice your plan, big plans that you had for your life, it is not easy. Things aren't always going to be easy when you go down the path of surrender. There aren't a lot of people in this world going down this path. Jesus tells us this much when he says in Matthew 7, For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Even when you choose the narrow path of Jesus, it doesn't mean things are always going to be sunshine and rainbows. You will have tough times. There will be storms and rough waters. Amen? You are going to have bad days, lost opportunities, and broken relationships. Our verse for the year at Providence Church last year in 2022 was John 16, And it's Jesus saying to his disciples again, in this world, you may have trouble, but take heart. I, Jesus, have overcome the world. And my wife and I have had to put a saying up around our house as we have been going through the journey of sacrifice and surrender and going with God's way over our ways many times. And we do have those tough times and storms and seasons. And we've put up a saying around our house, and it's not easy, but worth it. Sacrifice and surrendering Christ to Christ isn't always easy, but it is always worth it. So how do I do this surrender thing? Where do I even start? Well, I'll tell you, friends, I knew the parts of my life that I needed to surrender because they were the parts of my life that I was keeping God out, right? I was keeping God out of my work life because I was afraid that I would lose my job if I stood up for Jesus in the corporate world, right? I was keeping God out of my finances and my calendar because I worked hard, I earned that money, and I went to church on Sunday. I tithe like I'm supposed to, so the world says that's good enough. I was checking the boxes that said the world said was good enough, and I was keeping God out of certain friendships in my life because I was afraid they might not like me if I wasn't the same guy they've known this whole time. Or they might not think that I'm normal, right? But I've got a newsflash. I'm, real, I'm not normal. I'm not. <laughs> Raise your hand. I mean, does anybody in this room feel like it's normal to follow Jesus in the world we live in today, right? Following Jesus isn't normal. Jesus is not normal. He wasn't trying to be normal. If he was, then the same people that called him king when he entered the city wouldn't be shouting for him to be crucified just days later. Christ is not ordinary. He is extraordinary. And he is worthy of our surrender. We surrender because that's what Jesus did for us. Christ surrendered his life to death for you and for me, for the forgiveness of sins. And that's not the end of the story. Christ defeated death so that we could have life everlasting. So that you have a choice. We know you're going through a battle. We understand. Jesus knows. He sees you in the battle and he is telling you, that there is hope and there is healing and there is wholeness in him. So now you get to decide, are you going to follow Jesus or are you going to follow the world? And I pray that you would surrender to Jesus. And the truth is, I don't know what the next 10 years of my life looks like. And I don't know what the next five year or even the next one year looks like for my life. But here is what I do know. I know that God loves me. He loves me so much that he sent his son to die for me. 
so that I could live. I know God is faithful and he can be trusted. And how do I know this? Because I've witnessed it. I've witnessed it with my life and the countless stories of people in this room, my friends, my family. I've witnessed the faithfulness of God in this room, in your stories. And I will love and trust Jesus with my whole life. Well, J.W. Vandeventer, the writer of I Surrender All, didn't get to see the path ahead for his life. He was set. He had his plan. He had the career. He had the job. He had the faith and the service. But he was still holding something back from God. And it took him years to wrestle with this. So the question I have for you, church, is what are you holding on to? Does it feel like you're just holding on so tight that sometimes if you loosen up your grip, everything's just gonna fall apart? Well, listen and hear God telling you that there is more to life that I want you to experience. What are you keeping for yourself and not letting God in on? God was patient and persistent with JW and God is patient and persistent with me and with you. Well, JW would eventually follow God's path for his life and he became a local church pastor after his years of evangelism and he settled right next to a Bible college where he made a significant impact on one particular student and that student would go on to do unimaginable things for the kingdom of God in this world and that student was Billy Graham. So Graham went on to become one of the most impactful evangelists in the history of the world, leading crusades with stadiums and arenas filled with tens of thousands of people praising God and hearing the gospel's good news. So if you were there during some of those crusades, you would have sung along to the song that God put on JW's heart decades before, I Surrender All. So we started with the question of how do I follow Jesus? And Jesus tells us, choose his way over our ways, prepare to live differently than the rest of the world, and walk alongside him down the narrow path. Whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross and follow me. Desire, obedience, and sacrifice. Surrender to God. Do you feel God calling you to surrender today? For some of you, for some of the kids in the room even, this might be the initial call to let Jesus be the ruler of your heart and of your life and get baptized. For others, it might mean making Jesus the center of your marriage or of your family. And for some, like me, it might mean giving up some of the idols that we've created in life, like your hobbies or your career or your finances or your time. Maybe it's to surrender your plan and to trust God's will for your life. Whatever it is, I pray that you let the Holy Spirit in and sh show you what is keeping you from following Jesus more fully. Don't wait. Do it now. Do it today. It's not easy, but it is always worth it. Amen.